Welcome back to Office Politics. I am your host, Jasmine Reed Clark, and this is the space where we get into all things life after the offer letter. If in the first episode, we talked about why your health deserves to be a priority, and if in the last episode, we talked about how I had to learn that lesson the hard way with a bout of burnout, this episode is all about the healing process. Once you remove yourself, or if you are in the process of removing yourself from a toxic workplace. I have on Natasha Wong. In fact, we met when I was a recruiter at a past employer where I was definitely not happy. And she and I were able to connect and we actually sparked a sincere friendship out of it. And since then, I have become not only a fan of her work, but also a true student of her own teachings. Her brand focuses on wellness, spirituality, and healing. They have everything from journals to tools to crystals. But I think what she does so well, what her brand and the brand that she cultivated with a group of friends does so well is it goes beyond the bullshit. It is about really searching within, having quiet moments of reflection, and answering those hard questions that ultimately have us asking, how did I get here? In this episode, we talk about what is it like to work in the wellness industry? Does she ever feel phony or come across phony people who, you know, aren't drinking the Kool-Aid they're selling? We also talk about her own healing journey and how it has related to her professional life and how she herself copes with burnout, imposter syndrome, and self-doubt. So I have two more disclaimers. The first, you don't have to be woo-woo or into new age philosophy to get something out of this episode. All of us can relate to the story of feeling devalued at work. And all of us have probably Googled, what do I do when I hate my job? What do I do when I'm crying every day? If you can relate to those Google searches, you can relate to this episode. And next, I do need to address an elephant in the room. This episode was recorded late last year. In fact, it was recorded on a very hard day in my life when I was um, being exposed to a business partner who turned out to not be any a partner in any sense of the word. And that is where I'm going to keep that because that person, that toxic energy took so much of me and is why I took a break from this podcast. But I am back now, healed in part because of Natasha, in part because of her tools and resources and journaling. And it feels very poetic that I'm having this episode air today. But if you notice the rapid fire questions are different or that I sound even more like an amateur on the mic, there's your reason. Okay, disclaimers done, me done. Let's get into this episode. You know, to backtrack just a little bit, the, you know, the listeners just learned a little bit about your bio in the in the intro, but I want to know, can you just kind of take me through what 
has your journey been like to get to where you are with spirituality? Is it something you grew up learning about? Or did you stumble across crystals and spirituality during a a low point, which is what I think most people find? Yeah. Yeah. If I go back, I would say back in 2008. So what is that? 18, 18, 13 years ago. And I found yoga. So I first fell in love with the physical strength I felt in my body. Mm -hmm. But then I quickly realized I was growing spiritually. I had been building a career in merchandising and buying, but got curious about finding a company that aligned more with my core values. And with all the sweating I was doing in like vinyasa flow classes, I found myself buying myself more yoga clothes. And then that got me curious. And I, that's how I discovered Lululemon. And I jumped on the opportunity to work for them. And this was back in you know, 2010. Okay. I didn't actually know that about your story. So curveball question. Yes. I have had, I'll be honest, and I hope, I hope this hasn't influenced your answer, but I've worked for those like dream companies and I've learned that sometimes it can kind of like, I don't want to say crack your perception, but I think it just, you know, you get to see what's happening behind the curtain. Um, Was it, what was it like to work for a company that you had admired for so long? And would you do that again? Just work for a company that you are a consumer of? You know, it's funny because I was about to just share a key moment for me where I knew Lululemon was the right company for me was I was at my last interview with the head of product at the time. And she asked me as her last question why I wanted to work at Lululemon. And I shared that I wanted to come to work every day and truly and authentically be me. Yeah. And in that very moment, I could feel her energy shift. And for me, I felt seen in a sense of belonging. And she responded with, we should have hired you yesterday. (laughs) And I have a very interesting story or yeah, I would say I have an interesting experience with Lululemon. I started at a corporate and moved into the stores where I truly think that's where the magic is. And so I do think like to your, to your, to answer your question that I think it's important to go after the companies that you aspire to work for and whether or not they don't end up being, you know, what you think they are, or if they do end up being such an advocate for you and your next step in your career, I think there's just so much learning behind it. Now, Natasha, without even trying, that is the perfect segue, I think, into like how we met. Um, You know, even though I don't really talk about the company's name, um, I was recruiting. It was a blimp in time, truly a blink and you miss it moment. But I got to speak with you on the phone because we were I was recruiting for a specific role and I know I've told you this before, but for the listeners, my husband was in the other room because this is COVID. And he was like, 
are you talking to one of your friends? Like, cause I just <laughs> felt immediately at peace talking with you. I could tell that your core values, it's not some like BS phrase that you use in interviews. Like you were speaking about the intentionality that you bring to your life. You seem deeply interested. And I was like, damn, I really want to be friends with this girl. And I kind of low-key want to tell her like, girl, I don't know if this is the place you want to work right now. If you care about peace and mental health. Um, And it's so funny because I think when I quit that job, I knew there was going to be a bigger lesson. um, But some of my greatest friends and greatest like career moments, it's truly because of that job. So even though like people ask me like, oh, would you, because I left a really cushy job to go there and, you know, I took a pay cut. And I'm like, I really would do it all over again because I know that it it led me to like, I can think of about three different people off the top of my head, you being one of them. And I'm like, and through Natasha, I've been able to been, be introduced to crystals and go deeper with my relationship with spirituality. I'm also connected to another person who takes this so seriously and doesn't, you know, just wipe it away as like woo-woo stuff. It's like, so everything really is meant to happen. And I think something that stood out to me about you and that I hope every professional gets to in their career, you are so authentic, even in your interview. And I think, yeah. And I think we've like conditioned people to, and I get it. Like my dad comes from the old school version of HR and He's like, you can't, you can't say that. That's too honest. And I'm like, but you're going to find out anyway. So I'd rather you be introduced to who I am sooner, decide that it's not for you. And then, you know, we can both be on our merry way. And so I think that's so refreshing. And is that kind of, I mean, to me, it's who you've always been. It sounds like, but um, discovering that you wanted to truly be yourself all the time at work. Um, was that something you discovered early on in your career? No. <laughs> <laughs> I totally wish it was, but no. Um, I was working for a company where I wasn't authentically mm. not being me. And there was a lot of pain and suffering when you're not being yourself and after you know I forget how many years I was there at least probably close to five but after feeling all of all of that you're like there's got to be more to this there's got to be a sense of fulfillment and something's not clicking and I don't think it's wrong to not only hear that voice in your head and feel it in your heart, but to decide it's not for you and to move away from it. I know some people think it's overrated. I even have a podcast episode and, you know, some people, they just believe that's what a nine to five should be. It should be soul sucking. And that's what the weekends are for. And that lifestyle works for billions of people. I think similarly, I just, I remember being like, I, this can't be like what I'm here to do and feel every day. Like, yeah. Yeah. When you're, you're, you're not fully, truly whole at work, mm-hmm. it ends up showing up in other areas of your life, or at least it did in mine. Yep. And so 
and and then when you're not happy holistically, um, something has to shift. Amen. Amen. I want to switch gears a little bit and to stay at the intersection of spirituality and professionalism, I want to talk about career wellness. So what do you wish people understood about how overall wellness um, can affect their relationships at work? Like, why should they prioritize wellness as it relates to being a professional? I mean, pretty much kind of what I was just sharing is that I think there's so much power in seeing how the state of your well-being shows up in every relationship and situation. Personally, for me, um, I have feelings of unworthiness or not being good enough that creeps up. And it 100% shows up at work. It just looks very differently. So at home, it shows up as, you know, me finding myself having to ask for help from my husband and that being okay. And at work, it shows up in how I receive feedback from a client if I'm consulting or my attachment to perfection when I'm creating something for our brand before noon. So it just shows up a little bit differently, but it's there when you really look deeply at it. And I think it starts with me being able to take a moment to pause, ask myself what I'm feeling to cause me to react the way that I am. And then by doing so, it gives me the power to respond and show up the best, the best version of myself inside and outside of work. I now feel seen. You just called out my shadow self so hard in every way. And I really want us to go back to that question, which is to take a moment, pause, and ask, why am I reacting in this way? And allowing that to like, whether it's an in, in excuse me, exploring emotions and thoughts and your shadow self. I just think that alone, Natasha, is a tool everyone should have in their back pocket. Yeah, they're just beliefs that don't serve you, that I'm doing, you know, some work right now on intergenerational mm. family trauma. Yep. So some, you know, unresolved trauma from the past that has become my legacy. Yeah. So there's yeah. there's a ton of, you know, reasons or beliefs, limiting beliefs that you may have that may need to just be dismantled, mm-hmm. but they do show up in your personal life and in your work life. And for me, you know, I try to see my work as a part of my life. So just one holistic life. That part, everything, and the intergenerational wounding. I'm working with um, a sex and pleasure coach right now. And that it's like, there's so many limiting beliefs. I I think especially like being women of color, there is... I just, I'm working through a lot of that too and seeing how it shows up in my relationship with my husband as well as work and friendship. So yes, yeah, you have a sister in solidarity there. Yeah. So I was like, that could be a whole nother right. episode. <laughs> I'm working on it no, mm-hmm. for real. And kind of speaking of like, um, cultural differences in Western culture, there is this need to go as fast as possible for as long as possible. Hello, burnout. What are your feelings surrounding hustle culture, whether 
you have hot takes on how it starts or just hot takes on how to slow down? Yes. Um, for me, my relationship with hustle um, is a work in progress. Um, I did a workshop with Holly Merchinson. Uh, mm-hmm. She has a book and a workshop and her workshop's called Tell Me About Yourself. And the inter- intergenerational family trauma work that I'm doing is uh, through the book uh, written by Mark Wolin. It didn't start with you. And I've come to understand that the resilience and hustle that I culturally inherited is what motivates me to live out my biggest dreams. So I acknowledge that, you know, my ancestors passed that resilience and hustle down for me. And I say, thank you. you know, and on top of all of that, I have to remind myself of the importance of balance and define what balance means for me um, consistently because balance today looked very differently than a year ago. It looked differently for me, honestly, six months ago. So for me, that looks like constantly checking in with myself, noticing when I need to push myself and also when I need to rest, reset. And more importantly that I'm working on right now is celebrating. Ooh, that's a good one. How are you celebrating these days in quarantine? It can be so simple as giving myself a gua sha. Yeah, exactly. A couple minutes in the morning, mm-hmm. like treating myself to that. Oh, yeah. Or it can mean taking, you know, 30 minutes in the middle of an afternoon to go for a walk versus feeling the need to tackle my to-do list, right? It's, I think it's for me just making sure that I'm taking, I'm being mindful and intentional about saying, I'm going to use this time to celebrate. Mm-hmm. I, in that moment, choosing whatever that means for me. Sometimes eating chocolate. Uh, hell yes. <laughs> Amen. Okay. And you bring up something that I wanted to talk about. We've seen capitalism really kind of sweep the self-love, self-care industry. And I think it's just such a nuanced conversation um, that, again, could be a whole nother podcast episode. Um, but one thing that I've really had to divorce myself from is thinking, treating myself can only be materialistic or a lush bubble bath. Um, What kind of thoughts do you have surrounding the industry of self-care? What do you wish you would see evolve surrounding the industry? Oh, that is such a great question. Um, Because I don't, and, you know, being an entrepreneur, small business owner, I've had to shift that mindset of self-care being, something I treat myself with in terms of monetary money Mm -hmm. to shifting that to what does my spirit need in this moment? And that is a treat Mm. to myself because for me, I've trained myself and was raised, you know, in a family where I spent a lot of time nurturing my mind So when it comes to treating myself, I Mm -hmm. focus on the other two pillars of well-being. So body and spirit. 
What are your go-to tools for wellness when you're stressed in addition to crystals and sage and, you know, taking those moments of solidarity? Um, The two I would say that I am going deeper on right now is meditation and journaling. I just finished up an eight-week meditation course. Mm -hmm. And my goal of the course was to, like, like I was just sharing, like my mind knows that meditation is good for me, but my spirit didn't get it. And I really wanted to meditate because not because I should, but because I get to. Yeah. And doing this meditation course and learning different tools. And to be honest, finding inclusive um, meditation teachers made a difference too for me, like hearing the voices of a diverse set of men and women made a difference. And I found that through insight timer and I'm not to say that, you know, uh, the other apps or, you know, whatnot are, are not there, but for me finding really great guidance that resonated with me did help me shift. So I would say meditation and journaling and something I really wanted to share too was this practice from Tara Brock called RAIN, Mm. R-A-I-N. And so R is recognize, A is allow, I is investigate, and N is nurture. And the whole concept is is to use this practice to untangle difficult emotions. Um, So I've seen it help me process, you know, career shifts during this past year, during COVID. Um, It's helped me untangle emotions around unstable family dynamics this past year. And also discomfort when my husband and I are not connected. Like, you know, it, it would be a dream if we were connected 100% of the time, but that Mm -hmm. is just not reality. And so this practice of rain has helped me in all areas of my life. So if it's new to you, I would definitely recommend looking it up. That is beautiful. I'm going to look it up. I've never heard that acronym. So that is, that's huge. And I think the part that really stands out to me is investigate and nurture the last two uh, words that's been, and speaking of marriage, one of my Christmas gifts I asked for was to meet with an Enneagram coach. She's like a marriage one. Yeah. And so we had a session with her, Hillary um, McCluskey. I'll put her stuff in the show notes, but it was so beautiful to really see how I should be communicating with Jordan based off of his Enneagram type. And a question that I just never thought of is he's a nine wing one. And so he just wants to feel included. And sometimes I can take his like chill demeanor to mean like, oh, he's apathetic. He doesn't care. I'll make the decision when really he's like, girl, I would like to be included. And now I've just been uh, using the phrase like, uh, do you feel included right now? Or like, how can I include you in this decision? And we have seen our marriage, it, it just like goes up another level. And then, but I feel like the I and the N investigate and nurture now I understand why he wants to feel included. Now I understand how he feels included. And, you know, so 
That is That's so huge. amazing. I mean, yeah. I think there can be so many more episodes on relation, you know, having Girl. an intimate relationship with your your partner. Girl, um, everything. <laughs> yes, because, you know, the, all the self-work we do, like yeah. our husbands are coming along for the ride. <laughs> By the way, the first time I had to like cleanse my crystals, I saged them and then I put them in the sun to recharge. Jordan was like, what the hell are you doing? He's oh. like, like, why Why are you putting them outside? And I'm like, they have to recharge. He's like, they, they have to what? Like, I'm- <laughs> I so, love it. I- he's learning. <laughs> oh, yes. I mean, now every time after, you know, we get into a disagreement, you know, yeah. Zach's like, are, are we going to cleanse the house? <laughs> We got to clear the energy out. And I'm like, thank you for the reminder. Girl, this one here, first meeting, he was like, all right, she talks about energy. And like literally just this week, because, you know, I told you I'm dealing with some stuff in, in my business. And he's like, okay, Jazz, I just I just feel like the energy in this house is very tense. And I'm like, see, now you're catching yes. on. Yes. Energy is a thing. Yes. So. Oh, I love it. <laughs> So beautiful. Exactly. And we're going to hop into like the business side of of everything you're doing. Um, I'm super excited to brag on you. Um, But before we get there, what are the first steps someone should take when exploring the world of spirituality? Like they're hearing you and I talk and they're like, okay, a little overwhelmed, but I know I want that vibe that they have. What's like a good first step? I am... I think the first steps, the first big step is to thank yourself. Mm. Yeah. For wanting to Mm. explore spirituality Mm -hmm. because it takes courage to want to heal and to to learn more about yourself and why you behave, believe, respond the way that you do. So I would say the first step, say thank you. The next thing I'd suggest is to try on a few different things and just see what works for you and what feels good for you. So there are going to be some things that, you know, you and I suggest and you try it on and you're like, this doesn't fit me. Meditation right now doesn't fit me, but you know, journaling is great and maybe start with a gratitude journal and every day wake up and write five things that you're grateful for absolutely or maybe you try three inhales and three exhales every day and try that for a, a good amount of time and um a little plug but danielle and i wrote our 30 days of healing yes workbook And I also think that's a great place to start because the exercise range from drawing all the way to meditation. And you don't have to be an expert in spirituality or healing to begin the workbook. Um, And the biggest thing to remember that I continue have to remind myself is that healing is not linear. It is a very humbling experience and journey. So yeah, pick up the workbook, 
try it out, yes. see if it works for you. And when you're feeling inspired to do an exercise, like it's there for you. Oh my God, Natasha. So good. I, I almost don't want to say anything because <laughs> I don't want to follow it up. But something you said that I think is so important is try things on and you will realize some things aren't for you. It took me years before I got into meditation, like only in the last couple of years. And I can only do it for five minutes, but for me, it's a walk or holding a crystal. But don't, if you try something and you're like, this isn't for me, it doesn't mean you have to write off spirituality altogether. And so I love every, oh, so good. And now I am so excited to talk about Before Noon. And can you just tell us the origin story and the mission of your company? Yes, Before Noon started with the three of us. So there's myself, Anne, and Danielle. Mm -hmm. And we found each other in between life's ups and downs. We would get together as friends do and share stories of discontent, unfulfillment, heartbreak, and anxiety. Um, We quickly realized that like our individual challenges were not necessarily unique to us and started to rely on each other for guidance, uh, connection, and then support. So we'd share, you know, how we were working through what we were working through in our lives and some alternative healing tools that we were using. Um, In hindsight, like, Looking back, I see that we were creating our own little community around healing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we just felt this responsibility and this want to share and grow it beyond ourselves. Um, So that's why we embarked on creating Before Noon. So we are a little over a year now. We launched in November of 2019. Oh my God. Well, and things are, things have really popped off for you guys. Uh, Can you tell us about your latest um, big deal? Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's a story of planting seeds and, you know, manifesting and law of attraction because we meet at the beginning of every year and we put together like the strategy of, of for the year. And we put every big idea on a big piece of white paper and yeah. with where no idea is ever a bad idea. Mm-hmm. And we had this thought of how cool would it be if we were, we partnered with West Elm and we're like, that would be pretty cool. And we're like, great. <laughs> awesome. So let's just put it up there. Yeah. And so that was the beginning of 2020 and, and we had reached out, we didn't hear from them for months and then they reached back out to us and they're like, send us some samples of, you know, some of your crystals and your toolbox. And so we did and then didn't hear back from them oh. and then months passed and we heard back from them and said, great, we'll launch you in November. <laughs> right and before Christmas. And we're like, what? Oh my gosh. So... You know, we were excited. We were excited, surprised, and at the same time, just in awe of the universe, just creating for us by just the thought and the seed that we had planted in the beginning of the year. 
So we launched on West Elm in November and our biggest learning, I think, coming out of the holiday season is we shared this. We just had our yearly three-day strategy meeting for 2021. And our biggest learning was how us playing small um, Mm. causes us the stress and anxiety that we feel with our company. And let me backtrack for you. So in November, we launched on West Elm. And the mindset we had was, I mean, how many people really are going to buy from us on West Elm? Probably not that many. We probably won't get an order on day one, maybe not until maybe December. We got an order, we got orders the day we launched. And then we continued to play small and, you know, after the holidays thought, okay, well, no one's going to buy after Christmas because it's post-holiday. So don't, we don't, the sales will die down and not to worry. Well, that didn't happen. Because everyone's like, we got to get the energy of 2020 like out of our house. Yes. But do you see like us playing small Yeah, and with that mindset created fluster, created us to feel Mm. like we're constantly playing catch up. And now we're like, okay, let's take that learning and start playing big. Yeah. Well, and I think that almost goes back to what we said at the top of the hour about worthiness. And you were meant, like I told you, all the tech issues, guys, (laughs) Natasha here is an angel to deal with this. We had so many tech issues and I kept thinking like, maybe there's a reason we're meant to talk after the new year. And that's huge for me is like, stop thinking small. And I know for me, it comes from a place of like unworthiness. Like I just raised my prices on a few of my packages and I was so nervous. And then it's like, but people buy them. And it, it, it just goes back to like, you got to think bigger and think that you're worthy of success. Yes. And that, yeah. and that doesn't make you a bad person. Like, I'm like, oh, am I, am I in my ego if, I mean, listen, don't get me wrong. My ego needs to be checked very regularly, but it's like, it's okay to think you're worthy of success and you're worthy of attracting amazing people because you yourself live a life of generosity and gratitude. So it's okay when you actually receive those things. Um I don't know how much you're into like feminine energy and masculine energy. Mm-hmm. Yes. So my my co believe in it. Oh, life changing, and it's so much deeper than like being girly or being into like mm-hmm. it's so not like. Please look it up. But my coach helped me see that I have an insecure masculine, and I almost was never tapping into my feminine energy, um, where I get to receive and I get to like enjoy the harvest and I get to nurture. And so now that I'm actually creating real space, Natasha, to like creating time in my day and not as like, it's a to do, it's like a, I get to, it has been insane to see the blessings, even dealing with some of the BS. It's like the way I I even respond to it strategically is different. Um, and like just trying to get out of my insecure masculine. Yes. Yeah. It's because you are leaning into your feminine energy. Yeah. And it's, yeah. and yeah. And, and that translates yeah, exactly. to, so, to, to, to more success. Completely. 
I get like goosebumps now that I like understand that world. And I didn't up until like I started working with my coach in the fall of last year. So just to even see what it has done in my life in the last few months has been fantastic. Um, So incredible to hear. Thank you. And what would consumers be surprised to learn about the wellness industry and its inner workings? Um, I love this question. Um, so all three of us, so Danielle and I and Anne, all come from corporate experience where we've all experienced and struggled with leaving who we truly are at home, similar to what we were sharing earlier in our episode. Um, because we're a wellness brand, it's integral to bring ourselves to work every day. Right. <laughs> but and on top of that, though, to be mindful that it's also integral to drive a profitable business. Yes. So it's the balance <laughs> of the two. Um, mm-hmm. So for us, that looks like having uncomfortable conversations uh, with each other, sharing feedback. We create a lot of time and space for each other to clear or dump at the beginning of every like meeting that we have um, over Zoom. So, you know, I think in order for us to, we create the space to clear and dump because that creates room for us to think strategy, goals, and execution. And next, we are gonna go into the industry rapid fire. So. Like I tell all of the guests, you are more than welcome to answer as an entrepreneur, a former job that you might have had. This is really just a time to give unsolicited advice. So what is the biggest misconception about your industry? We've been talking a lot about this, and it is that wellness is a trend. Yes. I've heard that the word wellness can be very triggering for some, mm. which I I completely understand. And for me, understanding the history of these practices or modalities in wellness gives me perspectives around the reawakening of wellness that we're seeing. So for, you know, I, I've done a little bit of just curiosity, Google researching and found that Reiki healing was created by a Japanese man. Um, his name is Dr. Makao Usui. I might be pronouncing his last name wrong, U-S-U-I, mm-hmm. who taught 2,000 pe- people the Reiki method in the 1920s and found his first Reiki clinic and school in Tokyo in 1922. The practice, you know, quickly spread to Hawaii in the 1940s and then to Europe in the 1980s. Um, So that's just Reiki healing. Meditation, you know, dates back as early as 5000 BCE, according to, you know, psychology today. And I look up, you know, the Chinese practice of acupuncture, and that's from approximately 3000 years ago. So what I gather from just learning the history of these practices is that, you know, the benefits of each haven't changed one bit. Um, They are all here for us to heal. But how each of us experiences that um, may look differently today. For example, you know, we're not traveling to Dr. Macau's Reiki clinic 
-hmm. We're not going to Japan for it, but you can book a session virtually now. Right, right. Um, And so I think, you know, using technology to heal is Mm. really cool. That's awesome. I love that. That's great. What is the least or what is your least favorite part about the industry? You know, what really shook me up is the realization that not everyone is that not everyone in, in healing is healing from within that they're not everyone is about doing the work towards self-actualization Mm-mm. that sometimes making money as a as at the forefront of why they are in business and yep. you know that's a hard real fact that I have a challenging time sitting with yeah. and as we partner with vendors and healers across, you know, the three pillars of well-being, um, it's important for us to connect spiritually with who we are buying product from and who we're hosting events with. Um, Because like we said, energy is real. Energy is passed through our product, whether that be Mm -hmm. a crystal that's in your room right now or the events to our community. Um, we, We truly believe like energy is that powerful. So it's taken us a bit of time to find partners that we align with and we're constantly reevaluating and searching for them. So that is a huge part of our job. And I would say um, something that we unfortunately do struggle with sometimes. I love you for talking about this because that is currently what I am going through where people present themselves to be all about empowerment and helping people of color and all of these things only to find out that isn't what they're about. They understand to them, it is a trend. And um, so I'm going through something right now that legally I can't talk too much about, but the big, you know, I just keep asking myself, like, what am I supposed to get from this? Because the money stuff I really can leave on the table. It's the part that you know, leaves me in tears is how do you go through the world knowing you're putting bad energy out there and having to realize like some people don't care, Jasmine, like some people don't give an F about putting bad energy out there, which is so strange to me because it's like you 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 attract what you put out. Like, so even from a selfish perspective, don't you just want to give out good energy? Like, I'm so confused. So... I I just want to say plus one to, to that. Um, but on to more beautiful things. What is the best part about your industry or profession? Uh, the best thing about our industry is that I'm constantly learning more ways to heal my wounds. Um, and I'm, you know, nonstop creating more space and clarity in my inner life. I wouldn't say it's, easy by any means. Um, it's actually, like I shared earlier, a very humbling experience. Yeah. But, you know, the magic is how that translates to before noon's mission of the belief that everyone is worthy of being their best self um, and why we exist. So I think it's amazing that there are so many modalities of healing and that there is no end to the journey. It just continues. Mm. So I would say mm-hmm. that's the best thing about the industry. And then the best thing about my profession is that 
I'm an entrepreneur and a consultant. So I get to live into who I'm humanly designed to be. I just discovered human design. Can I ask what you are? Yes. I'm a manifesting <laughs> generator. Oh, oh my God. That sounds, um, I, I just started getting into it. I just know I'm a projector, but I love, I love what yours sounds like. So I need to look this up after the call. So really quick. It means that I need to find yeah. a career path that lets me both respond and initiate. So in order to be fulfilled at work, I need to be able to forge new paths, which for me is my before noon. Um, and it also, I need to be able to respond to projects and devote my energy towards like bringing the life of vision of others. So that's me as a consultant. So this year, I'm really leaning into this idea of being a multi-hyphenate. I think I used to think that I had to be... Yes have a very straightforward career path that I had to mm -hmm. devote, you know, all of me to being one career. And I'm leaning into the fact that, no, I'm a multi-hyphenate person. And that's pretty freaking cool that I get to yes. be both. Um, and human design <sighs> gave me that power to Ooh, own that. that. Chills. Okay. I'm going to put I'll put some links to human design in the show notes. That's yeah, I was going to say there's a free human design chart. It's at, I think, Hovian or Jovian archive or something like that. So awesome. Yeah. Oh, man, I'm gonna look up. Oh, I need that right now. <laughs> and then what is the hiccup or failure you would never change about your journey or that you are the most grateful for? I got shingles. This was an easy one for me because <laughs> I got I got shingles my third year in college. And if you're not familiar painful. with shingles, yes, it's painful. It's a viral infection that is most common at the age of 50. Over the age of 50, uh, I was 20. Um, and so what causes shingles is not just stress, but chronic daily stress. And that uh, and ended up affecting my immune system. Um, and that's what triggers shingles. So I still have the scar um, on my mid to left side of my back. And I find myself touching it at times. I'm being really hard on myself. Like I'm judging myself or when I feel overwhelmed. And for, for me, it reminds me of the importance of self-care to practice self-love and self-compassion. Mm -hmm. So I am grateful that I, uh, you know, got triggered at a very young age. <laughs> right? Right. Oh, man. To have that tangible reminder is pretty powerful. Yeah. Wow. I'm like, oh, wait, hold up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, like so many people, gained weight during quarantine. And so I got these, like, two new, two new stretch marks on my belly. And um, I am in the process of accepting them and trying to see that like it's not a like almost a reminder or a souvenir or like a battle wound from 2020 and knowing that like I'm still beautiful with these two new stretch marks yes. and so definitely in my own little um my own journey with body and and again every like I think ugh, anyway for a whole nother episode, but I'm like a very grateful that for a long time I was resenting my body for most of last year and um, through coaching and healing and self-love and radical self-love and using my rose quartz, it's like 
I'm able to have a different lens that I see through now um, that is far more graceful than what I was giving it last year. So yeah. So (sighs) now, darling, I know everyone has fallen in love with you and felt what I felt on that recruiting call. So where can everyone keep up with you and before noon? Yes. Um, Okay. So you can always email me. So I'm going to throw that out there so that if anyone is interested in connecting, I love connecting with people. I'm a connector. So it's Natasha at beforenoon.co. And you can find me on my personal Instagram, which is my first name, Natasha.k.wong. And on LinkedIn is always easy too. That's mm-hmm. where you and I yep. <laughs> first met. Good old LinkedIn. Um, and also something that I'm playing with right now is Clubhouse. So Clubhouse is this live audio app that allows people to listen to and participate in live discussions. And so uh, I am on that right now, engaging in really interesting conversations and just started a room this week on, yeah, on wellness and spirituality. Um, And so it's okay, because my friend was like, I know you like TikTok, so download this app. And then I, I looked at it once and I'm like, I don't know what's happening. I just knew there were rooms. Yes. And so I closed. So now I'm going to get on it again and I'm going to find your. See, I'm such a noob. It, so, there- it's, so it is very new and I'm still finding it. So you can find. So the room that we created is called Asian, Asian Spiritual Activism. And it's just. You don't obviously do not have to be Asian to be involved in in the group, but Mm -hmm. it is. And so the room that um, I'm co-leading is around wellness and wellness practices. So today's discussion is around this concept of doing versus being. Mm -hmm. And culturally, that's something that, you know, I was not taught to be. I was taught to achieve and do and you know that helped me get to where I am today or where I was but you know like I go back to it was in 2008 where I had to start being in order to continue to be successful so um, but you can find us there on our Instagram and then you should be able to get a link but if not just text me and (laughs) because it's not that easy to navigate right now like I don't even have a clear answer for you like that is how hard it is to navigate it yes and I'm like I'm like am am I just old now because I was like playing with it and I'm like "Uh uh-uh no I need like one of my cousins to explain this no you know that it's difficult to understand when there are so many rooms on how to use clubhouse (laughs) or like beginning (laughs) beginning clubhouse 101 like there is literally a room daily on that because listen it's an evolving social app so that's where you all can find me now I will be in the beginners 101 but I'm excited because everyone's like that I keep hearing it's going to be like the next big thing and to like go ahead and utilize it now yes especially for podcasts I think they are taking it's like a new another way of creating content so especially for you, I think your voice is needed on that. App. Thank you. Yeah. <gasps> Natasha, thank you a thousand times over. And this has been awesome. And I'm so excited. And thanks Yay! for having me and for listening. Yay!